Bears Country Podcast. I just want to throw you off there with the original opener from Bears Country Podcast that we made when we started it July 25th. So yesterday was our five-month anniversary for Bears Country Podcast. And uh, I just kind of wanted to uh, acknowledge the old opener, and um, we added the new logo to it, but we're not going to use it every time. While as the cold opener opener, just to have a little bit of fun on the show. You know, this team is 3-12, and 12, right? I, <laughs> I mean, was Sports Illustrated correct when they said that they would have the first pick in the draft? Because... The season's not over yet, and it's quite possible that they could end up with the first pick in the draft. Uh, In fact, one of my buddies mentioned that the Bears traded their first second-round pick to to the Steelers for Chase Claypool. If they did end up with the first pick in the draft, that would technically be the last pick in the first round because – of the Miami Dolphins situation where they had to forfeit their first round pick because of the whole fiasco that happened last year. That's an interesting thought, but there's a lot more on top. Or not. All right, we're just gonna keep. country where is it it's in your man cave your home your car your local bar city state it's across the world it's in your heart and it's here the bears country podcast shit you blink an eye and all of a sudden 15 weeks pass right here we are with two games to go and i think we're all feeling a lot better than we did at the beginning of the season and if you you're not feeling better about it then um maybe you need to switch from a frying pan onto your head from the bears you know like a bear's frying pan and start to like take the oven bit instead because Within the last couple of weeks, this team has been getting progressively better. Even with the defensive players we've been missing, this team has played well considerably on defense. So, Kitty, uh, let's bring Nomad into the show because I would love to know what he has to say about this shit. 
the fuck is Nomad? He's Mustafa Shakir from Cowboy from from Cowboy Bebop. Mustafa, how you doing, buddy? Well, uh, that doesn't really look like me, but let me tell you, let me tell you something, man. I was watching this game and I was having flashbacks the whole time. I mean, flashbacks to a game I played in high school. It was about two degrees. It's probably about 15, 20 wind chill below zero. And we was playing against this team that had this running back. And he he was just a picture of this. He was he was built like Jack Sanborn, but he's about the height of Bushwick Bill or Danny DeVito or somebody like that. Stout. I mean, he's like hitting a little fucking fire hydrant. This motherfucker was, I mean, and he ran fast. It, it was just, it just hurt to hit him. Man, I think I got my first concussion ever in that game trying to slow him down. And just so everybody knows, it is the worst pain in the world to play in that kind of cold. I mean, every fucking thing hurts. The ground feels like you're playing in a parking lot. That's what it feels like falling on ground like that. And it just, oh, I felt for those guys, man. I, I, so I don't, looking at that game, whatever people want to complain about, what didn't happen, what did happen, dude, that weather is awful. It's hard to get anything done. The ball is, is cold and hard and it's slick as snot. You would rather play with a, a, a damp, wet ball before you play with a hard, slick ball in the cold. I mean, leather, just imagine you drop one of your work gloves out in the cold over and left it overnight and it froze up you found it on the ground that's what it feels like with a football right so it was just bad all the way around i'm surprised they were able to be productive as they were all of the liquid in your body starts to coagulate right you start to slow down become sluggish your snot and your nose starts to freeze you know uh, any any kind of bodily fluid on you freezes. It's, you know, it's not, uh, it slows you down. It makes you sluggish and you have to keep your joints constantly going to keep yourself warm the entire time so that you can keep your bodily functions moving correctly to play the game, right? I mean, it's it's got to be, in the NFL, it's got to be, one of the worst environments you could possibly play in, if not the worst. I got into an argument with a guy in a chat on some other show, and I was trying to explain it to him, and I was saying pretty much what you're saying right now. And his one, one guy was like, hey, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about, man. It's the same. Everybody's body the same. You know, if one person's muscles slow down and they seem sluggish, then every – no. You got guys that were absolutely out there in that kind of temperature for the very first time in their life. Look how slow Justin looked. Yep. You can see how choppy. You can tell his legs were heavy. Some guys, I know he played at Ohio State, but he never ran the ball like this at Ohio State. And you could see he was just a tick slower because his legs were heavier. And that happens. Unless you're a body, unless you're from here and you get accustomed to playing in temperatures like this, let's say a Cali boy like uh, what's his name, Pettis. Man, that was this is absolutely foreign to him. And his mm -hmm. body isn't going to react the same way as mine might, you know, or somebody like uh, David Montgomery. He he looked like he got faster, you know, for some know. reason, yeah. because his, his body is accustomed to playing in those temperatures and his muscles are, are used to reacting to it. I wondered that when they, dra when they drafted Justin living in Georgia, I'm only about an hour south of where he lived. 
maybe a half an hour by a bird flies, you know, and I wondered what the adaption would be for him coming from that climate to the Chicago climate. And I, and I was obviously, like you mentioned, the Ohio state experience gave him that cold weather experience. You know, you need that, that definitely helped him coming to the bears, but now he's really getting into the thick of things because he's playing more games in that cold than he did in, in college. And it's, you know, the kids playing well. I mean, he, it's like nothing affects him uh, as far as weather or anything. It, he's the kind of guy that plays better when the situation is at its worst. That's kind of how I feel about him. It, it's called the dog mentality, man. When you okay. hear that's you're going to hear me say that so many times when it comes to a, a player or two, whoever we might be bringing in or somebody we might be looking at. It's, I'm going to ask that question all the time. Is he a dog or is he not? Because that's what that's what we guys in the locker room discuss. Hey, as soon as a new player comes in from even when you're in college, somebody transfers in and you get a hold of that tape and you get to see if he's a dog or not. And then he goes on the practice field. You you can see whether he's a dog or not. That's all people care about in the locker room. And I'm going to tell you right now, 100 percent proven Justin is a dog. These games don't mean really, really that much. And I think he's just trying to. He's just trying to put some maintenance on himself and make sure he doesn't do too much. Trying to, he, he knows the, the bigger picture is next year, and so he's and the coaches coach like that right now. As far as the offense goes, they're not doing anything creative. They're just playing a game and trying to, you know, seeing what they can do, being vanilla and get out of a game with a win if they can. Weren't you terrified there at the end though? You're like, what happened with that injury? What is it? Was it a knee? It looks like play that happened before the injury it looked like he got hit on the knee but it wasn't he didn't bend his knee maybe like a, a bone bruise like a, a knee bru a kneecap bruise or something like that and the fact that he says that he's gonna play next week just oh god because <sighs> i was so terrified that that injury the way he was walking after that when they put in peterman and he threw his interception like we always know he's gonna do, and fine, the game was over. I'm glad they had Peterman in there, but it, it was nice to know that Justin Fields is at least you know looking forward. He's gonna be playing this next game. Yeah, I mean, every time I see, I I, I was uh, when he hurt his shoulder, I was still on Twitter and I was on record. I'm like, dude, I've seen enough. Shut him down. But I also see the other side of the picture, and the other side of the coin looks like this. If you ask me. When you're a coach and you're building a franchise, you're building a foundation within your franchise, you, you, wanna, you want your leader to set an example for everybody else. And right now he's the leader. I mean, he's going to be the leader. And if Justin, it's, it's, it goes a long way with your teammates if, if you, know, you start shutting guys down and you're only picking a certain few guys to get shut down. The rest of us got to go out there and risk injury. What does that look like to the rest of the locker room? And he's, you know, to me, it's, I guess it's the right thing to do, but I'm, I'm just cautious, cautious about the whole thing. And I'm aware of what you're saying, man. My antennas do go up. Right. Yeah. Cause the last thing you want to do is see it a major, you right. know, at the end of the season, which causes the rehab to take longer at the beginning of next season. So, but the one thing that I will say that, 
the reason why they need to play him is for the very same things that we're seeing, which is we're seeing the pocket presence develop over the last couple of games. Like the previous game, he was the, the pocket presence was there. He was letting it rip more. This last game, he seemed to be letting it rip even more. He's getting more comfortable in that pocket, letting the surrounding environment just kind of fade out around him, no matter who's playing in front of him and just throwing the ball on time. And I kind of have some, some clips that to, to show that as we progress into the show, but that's one of the things that all of us wanted to see moving forward into this point of the season was the progression of the passing game. And there's a lot of people shitting on Getze saying that he's, you know, he's not producing in the right moments. He's not a situational play caller. I think that he also is a rookie in this too, basically as Justin Fields is in the offense as well. So I think you have to take both of those things into account, take them both with a grain of salt and just realize that as we move on to the future, to 2023, when we progress the next step into level 202 of this offense, both in the play calling from Getze and from Justin Fields himself, uh, we're going to be just – Next year is going to be a lot of fun. I'm going to say that much. Look, I know that, you know, people in these spaces, they're here, you know, and I'm not going to say this is these spaces exist and these shows exist for you so that people have somewhere to vent. But I know that's something that's going to happen when people come into these chats and get on these shows. They're going to vent. They're going to get their hot takes for whatever you know, whatever they get out of it, they just want the attention to have the hot take to get it highlighted, whatever the fuck it is to them. I respect it. Mm-hmm. But people are too quick to jump to conclusions about things and not really giving the proper context it's due. Mm-hmm. Meaning that I know 100% <laughs> that the Bears know exactly what they're doing. And guess he knows exactly what he's doing as far as uh, what he's calling and not calling out there in these given situations. They know what they're doing. And they're looking at the bigger picture. That's what I can tell you guys about that situation. And you either can take it or leave it. If you you still want to run out there and call him a bad play caller, he doesn't know, that's on you. But you have to consider the bigger picture before you jump out there making these grandiose statements about whether or not we should keep him, should he be fired. All that shit's ridiculous, man. That's so fucking ridiculous. Of course not. <laughs> so, no, man. Uh what are some of the things you wanted to talk about? Like, what, what are your takeaways from this game? Oh, man, I got a lot of takeaways, and I sent them all to you. Um, mm-hmm. I have them all here. You know what, man? I'm, I'm a, I'm a, the obvious thing would be to talk about Kyler Gordon because he, he was the gem that stood out to me in this game. You know, I think there was a, a few gems, but he was definitely somebody that – and I, I feel a certain way about Kyler because I keep telling guys, I was Kyler. I know exactly what he's dealing with. And so I'll just save that fire for a little bit. But I'll tell you one key thing that that everybody in the chat should be looking forward to and pay, pay close attention to what happens with Dieter moving forward. Is he going to get the chance to play left guard? Because if he does, this might be the opportunity he's been waiting for. You know, I don't think it's going to come for him at center. Because, you know, Sam Mustafer 
say what you want about him is a little too good and he's never going to give him that playing time there. Plus they're probably thinking about keeping Lucas Patrick. And so I don't think it's that opportunity is really going to come for Dieter at center. However, that, that left guard spot, what I seen when Dieter went out there was a guy that was solid. Even Flus went up to the uh, pressure today and said the same thing. That's an opportunity for him. And it's an opportunity for the bears because if he's solid for the next couple of games, there's, there's an, there's a big old Rudolph the red nose reindeer nose on, on, uh, on uh, Cody Whitehair. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's expensive. Mm-hmm. And that's, a, that's a big uh, payment that can come off the books. And we, we getting a, somebody that we can work with at the left guard there. And that's, that might be something we don't have to be so urgent about in the draft or in free agency about making uh, a signing there. So I'm be, I'm going to be looking hard at Dieter just to see if he can perform at that spot, because if he does, it's a win, big time win. What do you think about uh, Borum playing left guard? I didn't didn't like what I saw, but at the same time, I'm I'm going to give Borum a break, and I told you why when I describe it to you in in my notes. Borum has been playing right the right side, right since training camp, and he's been doing right side techniques all through training camp. Moving they to just the left, thrust, a, right, and they just thrust right. him in at the at the left guard. And I can't say that he did terrible. I think he might have been maybe admirable, given a whole lot of responsibility they just put on his back. You know, all, all of a sudden, it's just like, oh, wow, okay. Uh, from, you know, uh, so, by the way, I should announce that uh, Bears Country podcast on YouTube, uh, we have changed the channel name to Bears Country Productions because of the just the amount of different stuff that we're putting out on the channel. I didn't want to confuse people with podcasts. There's a lot of videos. I do a, a, a Justin Fields every play video, a David Montgomery every play video. I'm working on the defense every play, also the all-22s on both offense and defense. And re-watching all of the tape on this game, the like what I saw, I, I completely lost my train of thought. What were we just talking about? <laughs> let me let me before I go there, before Wait, we go it, there, let me let me we respond. Were just talking to about the, let me respond to J-Rock right quick. He said you got to be careful about getting rid of players without replacement. Right. Dog, you know I respect your comments, and I, I could tell that you know what you're talking about as far as football. Right. I'm only I'm only speaking to the opportunity that, that Dieter might have. And, you know, I'm just thinking, I'm guessing like everybody else, that maybe the uh, GM could be like, okay, can't we find somebody at that spot at left guard so we're not paying such a hefty price for – somebody if we can find an adequate replacement i mean it's just it's just the right thing to do just to at least consider it that's that brought me back to my train of thought which was watching all the tape on this making all the every plays i i noticed that for the first time ever seeing larry borum at left guard he wasn't terrible at all in fact it kind of had me thinking huh i like what you're doing here you're trying to mix shit up by putting him at let's see what he can do at left guard you know I think he performed admirably considering he just got thrown into that position. Like you said, you know, man, with having to go from the one, one side to the other, your entire brain training is on one side. You have to go to the other (laughs) side for the first game that he played left tackle. I thought he did pretty well, actually. I mean, he's worth, he's worth hanging on to, I think. 
I'll, I'll just tell you this. I felt a whole lot better about the way Dieter looked at that spot than I did about Larry Borm. And uh, again, given the situation Larry Borm was thrust into, being on the right side this whole the whole season, all of a sudden having to go back to the left side technique, I keep telling people all the time that muscle memory is is as important as anything when you play the, any of those positions up front. It's the muscle memory that you gotta gotta kind of swipe clean and go back to what you remember about playing on the other side, and that's easier said than done. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. What's up, Fo Cheesy? Thanks for joining us, Matthew. <clears throat> so you 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 touched on uh, Kyler Gordon. Uh, let's talk about. I have a play here. I want to pull up here. The um. Uh, what's up, buddy? The uh, the interception here. I mean, this this kid has been just the last couple of games. He's been stepping up, and there's a couple other plays I, I kind of want to get into here too. Not only did he take this ball and run it that far back, I mean that was impressive. At, at one point, you were like, "Holy shit, can he keep going?" I was very impressed with that. Um, there's another thing that I, another uh, little video I want to, I want to bring up here, which is, uh, him learning basically an example of him learning on the job. So you see him down here and he, he's just coming up, but then he's, he's, he's still getting in on the play that, that hits principle that we were talking about from day one here with training camp, you're seeing this kid buying into the, and I know people, a lot of people are sick of the hits principle bullshit. And like I said, we're going to see that go away in the future. We're not going to be talking about the hits principle all the time because it's going to finally be instilled. It's a new thing for everyone. So we're all talking about it. But when you're looking at something, a play like this, and he's just, he's getting in there to finish off that play. It's just, uh, I'm impressed with the kid. Let me... I, I have a couple more examples here too. Go ahead, well, let me let me tell you what you just witnessed there. One of the first things you learn playing a hash corner on either on either hash that that this principle doesn't really apply. It does, but it doesn't to a slot corner. But when you're when you're a hash corner, sideline corner, you know that the sideline is your friend. You play sideline in, so you're forcing the play back inside, so you get as wide as you need to get, and then you crash that player in. And if nothing else, you run him into the linebacker that's coming crashing down from the weak mm -hmm. side or the strong side. But it, here's an example of like another, you know, for the opposite end of the spectrum, things that he can work on. But you can clearly see that he has in his tool basket that he's going to get better at once he gets this down. So you can see him down here at the far right. And he totally whiffs this tackle. Oh, yeah. But you can you know that this is one of those plays in the future. He is not going to whiff on that. It's going to be just a timing issue, repetition, practice. He's going to get better at that. Let's play it again just for the people it's, that are it's watching. A, it's just an over pursuit. It's just yep. over pursuit. And he was he was probably looking to he was trying to get the hit on him, is what he was trying to do. And he over pursued. And what you do, what the coaches teach you in that, you, you do drills on this kind of shit. This they will drill that out of you. Mm -hmm. they will drill that out of you. You break down five yards and out. Mm -hmm. if, if it's a one-on-one -on -one tackle, you break down five yards and out and you start mirroring. 
you're not going to get the big shot. So, you know, you're supposed to know that, like, like I've been with before, you know, you know, just trying to get a big hit on somebody. But after enough of them, you know, to start throttling down. And when you know you ain't going to make it there in time to lay that hit, you got to throttle down and make sure you get that tackle. Mm-hmm. I agree. <laughs> he He's someone that I kind of, well, I shouldn't say I kind of, I did a video about in the beginning of his career after they drafted him as someone that I thought had Hall of Fame potential based on his family and his raising and how he was raised. And uh, there was a lot of everyone, you know, people shitting on him in the, in the beginning of the season, and he has been getting better and better and better and better as the season has gotten on. And we're going to see, I think, another year in this system with him. By the time next year rolls around, he's going to be a, uh, a really big bright spot on this team. Along with Brisker, Mr. Shorty, let me tell you something. And I and I went back to the first few games of the season just to make sure that I, I knew what I was talking about when I was think what I was thinking about. I knew what I saw, but I went back and looked at the film just to, I guess, to verify something in my head. I'm gonna tell you guys something. One thing about playing corner, especially a slot corner is you you got to know you are the baddest motherfucker on that field. Mm-hmm. You are athletically the baddest athlete on the field, and you got to act that way. Kyler Gordon is confident than a motherfucker. But in his first few games, and it happened to me when I was a freshman, it's so much information that you got to know. So many things, so many keys, so many reads. You, you, you're, you're thinking more than you're reacting. And sometimes it gets heavy on you. And you can see, like, in the first, like, Kyler's first four games, I can look at his body language and tell it was heavy on him. And it was, and he was panicking at times, trying to react to certain things. But he's got, he's got all this information in his head trying to make sure he does, does stuff right. right. But as those games went on and he made his mistakes, he learned from them. Now, after those first, after those first four, you can see – that confidence just ticked back up, ticked back up, and ticked back up. Now he's got swagger. Mm-hmm. Now you're seeing the Kyler Gordon that we drafted. Yep. Now he's, I mean, he's a confident mother. He's cocky almost. He's uh, talking shit to Stefan Diggs because he shut his <laughs> yes, exactly. down the first half, shut his ass down, and they uh-huh. stopped putting him over there on Kyler. It's like, all right, go over there and try this dude. See if he, and he got a couple of balls on him, but not too many off of uh, Jalen Jones. But yeah, you he was shut that motherfucker shit down. all over the field, man. It was fun to watch. Oh hell yeah, you talking yeah. shit to him like motherfucker? You ain't getting nothing over here. <laughs> what you talking great, about? Man. Oh man, it's gonna be so awesome going into next year. Like with the, the confidence that this 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 kid is building at the end of the season, you know. I mean, it's been a it's been a wild ride of a season, even though we're three and twelve. It has only very at any a couple of points in the season for me personally hasn't actually felt like we were that you know because we've seen this development from so many different aspects of the team and that's all you can ask for in a season like this and I'm did excited I, for next year did I did I put on that list I didn't put on the list do you you ever heard somebody you know some of these football heads talking heads like to use these you know these catchy words that scouts use and shit you know they you you might hear somebody say 
a DB needs to plaster better. Have you ever heard that? So what that means, in case anybody out there wants to know, plastering means it's just a DB sticking to his guy and not giving him any uh, separation so that he he might be able to get a pass or the quarterback sees a little bit of separation. You plaster, so you stick to your man. So I made this comment to you, and I I think I wrote it down in the notes, and I sent it to you. And this is just an assumption. I'm not saying they're going to do this. This is just an assumption. I've seen I've seen so much growth in our in our three rookie corners that I think, and I mean when I say growth, I see I see some serious growth in those rookie corners. I see a scenario. I can ma- imagine a scenario that come come uh, draft time. Jalen Johnson could be a chess piece. That's how much growth I'm seeing in the uh, rookie corners. So what you're saying is the chess piece for the draft. That's right. Hmm. That's right. Somebody's I would love asking to know what question. you guys think about that in the comments. Somebody's asking me a question in there. Bear truth nine. I'd still like to see if Jenkins at right tackle. The guy already has back issues. Seems playing inside is more hard on the back. Do you agree, Nomad? I'm 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 one of those guys. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. I think we got a brimming pro bowler at left. I mean, at right guard. And I just don't I don't I don't see why in the fuck would you mess with that? I just don't see no good reason unless some injuries or something happened. I just don't. I just that's something that went so something that went so well from an experiment that you started that turned out so well. I don't know that you, you mess with that. You know, I, I respect you, bare truth. But I, I wouldn't mess with it. I ain't, I ain't going to lie to you. I agree. I, I respect you as well, Bear Truth. But I, I think that right guard is where he is uh, a pro bowler. Well, a uh, whatever whatever the hell you want to call that now. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be fun to watch that, actually, I think. Man, I, I mean, <clears throat> I know that's – I see Leo saying Blackwell is a, is a pro man. It's Jalen Johnson so far. <laughs> Well, Blackwell is playing in the slot, man. He's not playing outside. So that's two different spots. But uh Jalen, he Jalen Jones is playing um in Jalen Johnson's spot. He's he's looking decent out there. He's getting better. All three of them between uh uh Kyler, Josh Blackwell, and Jalen uh Jones, all three of them I've seen tremendous growth. And Jaylen I know what Jones. I'm talking about when yeah. it comes to this cornerback play. I know what to look for, and I'm telling you guys. They have shown tremendous growth. That's a lot to be excited about with those guys. Jalen Jones was someone that you pointed out in the very beginning in training camp, Nomad, and he is now someone that is someone that we're all talking about. So, you know, your eye for the cornerback position has served you well because the, the kid is balling out, man. He's balling out. Who's that, Adam Dobbs? What is he saying there? Adam Dobbs says, I worry that J.J. Is going to be like Roquan this year, holding up for money. So if we trade him for a, a D hop type move, fuck yeah. Well, well, look at this, and this, this, this is me speculating. I'm not. I'm, sometimes I read into things a little too far. To I'll take a Hopkins. Right, right. Jalen Johnson. They were trying to get him to play this week, right? They were trying to club him up, meaning to put the. The uh the cast club thing you see on guys' hands when they have a hand injury, yeah. you know the club looks like a billy club, yeah, or a hammer or something. They're trying to club him up and let him go play. 
but he made the choice. And I don't know whether it was him talking to his agent or whatever it was, but somebody got to him and he went to the coaches and said, you know what? I don't want to take a risk of having surgery. I'm going to sit this one out and try to let my hand heal naturally. How did that come across to the coaches? I don't know. And he decided to go on IR. And and let me tell you something. Just for the record, Eberflus has a track record of really, really being able to coach up linebackers and D, DBs specifically. And I I'm not and I, and I hope they do they don't let go of Jalen Johnson. But I'm telling you, if they did let Jalen Johnson go, I wouldn't be as upset as probably most people will be because I know how well this guy and his staff coaches up DBs and linebackers. It seems to me that Jalen Johnson, I don't know if he, I don't know, watching just how he talks. I read a lot into the person in the interviews and it just seems to me like, I'm not sure if he wants to be a bear. So maybe the trade scenario actually works out in favor for them. Who knows? I don't know. I'm just speculating. Hey, hey I hear people say all the time, you, you should have traded high with, uh, with uh, uh, what's his name? Robert Quinn, when, right after he got the 18 sacks, he should have went right away and traded him. I did not agree with that. But in hindsight, it looks <laughs> it probably would have been better to uh, see if you could trade him then. But the same thing here. Jalen Johnson is uh, trending towards being one of the top uh, shutdown corners in the league. And, you know, just let's just throw out here for a scenario, okay? Let's just imagine, you know, the playoffs start to happen or the playoffs don't happen for a team like, um, like say, the uh, Detroit Lions. And they got multiple high draft picks in the first round. And they decide that, you know, our problem is the defense. One of the problems is – uh our defensive line. The other problem is we need another cornerback. How valuable is Jalen Johnson then? To what, the Lions? To the Lions. These are the kinds of scenarios that happen during drafts when guys start, when, when teams start evaluating how far they are competitively to getting in a place where they can compete for a championship. A lot of teams come shorter on those cornerbacks all the time. So he, it's a valuable uh, position to be playing in, and you can get a very high draft pick. I don't discount anything that the Lions might do in that situation, but I don't think that the Bears would trade a pick to the Lions that would make that team better, considering their trade a player. Trade a player to the Lions or a pick? Trade a player to the Lions. I think they absolutely would. And let's just say the Lions end up with uh let's say I know they got a they'll have a top 10, 12 pick right off the bat. So I don't know when they pick again, but it might be worth it to to let them go ahead and have Jalen uh Johnson if we think we can draft another cornerback and be productive at that position. We I think we can get away with it. I'm not sure I would do anything with uh, a, a trade with the Lions right now, man. They're like they're already getting scary enough. <laughs> you got to take you got to take your fanboy hat off, man. You got to take your fanboy hat off and the and the hate for the Lions and the package. You got to forget all that and just do legitimate smart business for your franchise. If that means 
Like, I mean, just look at what happened. The uh, the Vikings just did business with the Lions. Again, for the second time. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So <laughs> it, all, it all depends on your situation at that time. What's what what is not smart is to rule out, okay, we're not gonna do this deal with them because they're the Detroit Lions and they're in our division. I don't think that's smart business. When it comes down to it, it's gonna come down to George saying yes or no. So it comes down to whether or not you think he would pull the, the trigger on that. I don't I I for one am not sure that he would. Making an uh, inter an interdivisional trade with anyone, no matter what it would be. It's I see Kitty in in, our, in the private chat saying there's a question for me. Is it you got a question for me, Kitty, or somebody else? Kitty, Kitty, I for, I, I forgot to load up your. Uh, oh, it was already up. Uh, okay. okay. I forgot to load up Kitty's uh, thing here, but if I if I load it, it's going to uh, take over the entire screen for a second. So, if you just let me do it, then. She can have it for when she needs it because it's pretty fucking awesome. <laughs> Where is it at? Uh, where did I put it? No man, talk about the game while I while I bring this up. Okay. Um, let me see. What were we talking about? I want to talk more about Kyla Gordon. And I and I will I will advise any any of the people in this chat. I ain't saying you need to go and watch the entire full game of the first four games. You don't, you don't have to watch the whole game, but what you want to look for while watching a few plays, if you want to, is this body language. You can, if you, if you got a keen enough eye, you could see the hesitation in Kyler's body language, the mm -hmm. unsureness in his body language in his first four games. He was, it was just a lot in his head. You can tell and for you can, sure. Yeah. And yeah. you can, you can read it on his body. And you just fast forward that shit to Sunday and look at how much of a difference. I mean, my man got swag now. He's got his swag now. He's out there confident. Like, bring it, motherfucker. I know what I'm doing out here. I've seen enough bullshit. Y'all not running shit on me. I'm stopping everything. And that's just his mindset out there. And if you listen to him in the locker room, they I think a few uh, reporters got in there and asked him a few questions. I mean, he was just bubbling over with the uh, with the confidence, man. He's got his swagger back for sure. Mm -hmm. I 100% <clears throat> agree. I can't find it, Kitty. God damn it. I'm sorry. I had, I had a thing ready for her to pull up for when we fuck up looking at when I fuck up trying to read the private chat that she's sending. <laughs> I'm sorry. One more, one, more, one more quick thing about Kyla and, yeah. and all the corners for that reason. I got to keep reminding people. They're plastering sticking to these guys and playing these guys tight with no pass rush mm -hmm. three and four seconds longer than they should be covering them. Well, imagine what these guys are going to look like when we bring guys in there that can penetrate a deep offensive line and pressure a quarterback. Imagine how much better these guys are going to be then. That is an absolutely great point. I'm about to pull this up. And it's going to, it's going to make some noise. I have to stop it for a second. Hold on. Okay, there you go. There you go, Kitty. So whenever, whenever I'm not paying attention to private chat, she can just pull this up, and and then I'll let it'll it'll be the timer for oh I fucked up. I'm not paying attention to Kitty here. Kitty explodes in three, two. Oh fuck! Uh, what what? Oh, look at the private I, I chat. We, I thought we was yeah. gonna get a bomb. 
Oh, there you go. Oh, yeah, there it is. <laughs> that's that's what happens when I fuck up and I explode. All right, so let me just put that back all the way back for her. There you go. So, yes. What we're seeing in the development here in the defensive backfield and Kyler Gordon is just it's it's been a lot of fun to watch the, the, the development considering what we saw from the first game, right? The first couple of games from Gordon and, and people were like getting on his case to now the last game and this game, three interceptions, right? Is that three interceptions in two games, if I'm correct? I don't know. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. He, this, the, dude, the kid, I'm not going to say he's a hall of famer, but. I mean, he might be one day. Let's see, let's see what happens. Listen, for perspective, and I'm and I'm going on and on about the length of time that these quarterbacks are having against the Bears defense to throw the ball. Here's the proper time that a quarterback by by the time I'm done with 1001, 1002, 1003, somebody should be on top of that quarterback getting his ass pregnant. Period. Somebody should be on him and that's about <laughs> as long as a as a defensive back should be having to cover uh, a receiver. After right. that, it's just it's some something's broken down, and the player, the, the quarterback, escaped and ran down the field, or somebody ain't fucking doing their job right. Right. Or you just have a lesser talented team that can't get the job done, and we fall into the latter category. That's true because we talked about pressure sacks, you know, in the beginning of the the season and training camp and stuff that I thought that there would be a lot of coverage sacks, I should say coverage sacks. And there weren't, there weren't very many coverage <clears throat> sacks this year, but I thought that there would be like, I'm sorry, not coverage sacks, but coverage that, that our defensive line, I thought was going to perform well enough in the beginning of the year that our, 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 our defensive backfield would be able to, you know, make up for that. And, they have done that so far, just to what you're saying. This defensive line and the lack of sex has been uh, astounding, for lack of a better word. And the fact that this defensive backfield has been holding it together with even the, all the losses that we've had and the trades that we've made, I, I'm just so excited for the future of what we're going to do with this with the players that we have and who we're going to add to this, this team, because it's clearly working. The mentality that they have set forth, the buy-in that they have put into this team is clearly working. You're seeing it no matter who they put in on the, on the, no matter who's injured, who, whoever has to be replaced, whoever comes in is stepping in admirably and they're playing well. Yeah. I got to go back to the uh, word I was using with the earlier because well, listen to you talk, I was still thinking in my head, thinking about Dan Aguirre when I was trying to, we was on Aldo's show. Um, he He's fanatic about, hey, man, why in the fuck don't they send blitzes? Man, we need to blitz these motherfuckers. He just, he just goes off about it. And I was explaining to him <clears throat> that as a defensive coordinator, a first-year defensive coordinator on a new franchise, you have to be careful with that. Because you can find yourself getting blown the fuck out of games trying to blitz quarterbacks with a young-ass secondary, which is yep. what we have. Young, inexperienced secondary that could not plaster or stick to their receivers very well. Now, all of a sudden, fast forward to, what, week, week 13, week 14, 
all of a sudden these these uh rookie DBs are a whole lot fucking better, sticking to their receivers a whole lot better in five, six, seven seconds in the in, in the uh play count. And now you can send a few more blitzes. You can send the uh, safety. You can send a linebacker or two. You can do that kind of thing because you know you're getting some pretty adequate coverage behind it. Before, yeah. that was not the case, and you could not afford to be sending all these blitzes with subpar coverage behind it. It's just right. it's not going to work. You're going to look worse than you actually are for doing it. Right. <clears throat> and we're seeing, you know, that the system that they've that they've implied is working and the developmental process is working throughout the entire you know spectrum of the players on the team on defense we've lost so much and here we're we're now starting to get to the point in the season where we're putting in the players that have been sitting around learning the system and they're plugging and playing and they're playing well with the time that they had to develop within the system from training camp until this point. And we're going to see only more of that in these next few games because there's nothing that they should be doing now other than developing the players that they have on the team further to see what they have for next year because they already know who they're going to keep and who they're not for the most part at this point right now. And so right now, let's just work on developing the players that you know we're going to keep. Let's talk about Velas Jones. The kid finally had a game that we can think positively of him about. And that's exciting for me as a fan of him. And I know you as a fan of him. And I'm sure a lot of people in in chat here that are fans of him. I'm sure there's people that aren't fans of him, but I I know that there are a lot. So like, I, I love the saying that, that Marv Levy said, let a rookie be a rookie. And, They've let him be a rookie, and now we're seeing him starting to develop that confidence that I, that deep ball, that deep ball that he caught was so inspiring to me for his confidence as a player in his position that he's been in going all the way up to that point that he caught that pass. It just made me feel good for him as a fan and for him as a fan of humanity and him as a fan of someone that's trying to look from through his own eyes what he's going through. Good for that kid. He has a, he had a good day. He had a really good uh, kickoff return too earlier in the game. They're implementing him more, and he's he's starting to build that confidence that I was hoping he would finally get. And I think it took the scrap time, right? Because sometimes you just want to you don't want the bright lights on you. You want that scrap time to kind of take those moments to build your game. And I think that's kind of what he did in this game. Man, let me explain something to you. Bayless Jones is an absolute stud athlete. No question about that. He's an absolute stud athlete. Is he a receiver like your traditional X or Y, I mean, X or Z receiver? Not necessarily. Is he a piece that you can use on your offense to really make explosive plays happen? Absolutely, yes. Jalen, I mean, Bayless Jones is embarrassed and ashamed, ashamed of himself as he should be because he, 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 he was blowing routine things and what it, what it was and still is, is he, he took a hit to his confidence. Like I told you before, and it's taken him a while to regain that. And I think Sunday was his, I mean, Saturday was his first steps towards redemption of himself and proving to himself again, like, man, look here, 
And Vezos is saying this to himself. Like, man, I'm a, what are y'all talking about? He hears people saying all this stuff, talking about running the bomb out of town, saying all this crazy stuff about him. Vezos Jones knows what he is. That organization knows what he is. And that's how you do it. You see a guy that's struggling with his confidence, you go right to him and say, we know you can do it. We're going to prove that you know that you know we can do it. We're coming right to you. And that's what this was. It was such a nice catch, man. I mean, look at first off, look at Justin. Just boop, 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 gone. What a I don't know what's more impressive, the throw or the catch. Me either. The catch was just as impressive as the throw was. Let's just look at it again. It's, uh, you know, this is what I envisioned, you know, when they drafted this kid. And good for him to finally start to pull it together at the end of the season here, getting a beautiful deep ball like that, pulling it in, having a good catch, building his confidence. You know, I, I'm hopefully – wouldn't it be great if he has like 150 yards next week against the Lions? <laughs> hey, hey, Shorty, you know how you know for sure that Getsy in, in concert with Coach Eberflus have been dumbing down the playbook and making a vanilla playbook. They've been, they would have been doing this a long time. Valus Jones can run by any fucking DB in this league. Right. That play has probably been open all year. They just haven't thrown it to him or just right. hadn't called it. Right. He, can, they, he can do that any fucking day of the week. They don't want that right now. They don't want to put that on display right now. That's coming next year. That's coming next year. They are going to be wide-ass open next year. You're kind of starting to get that sense, aren't you? Like they're been they're, feeling it for a long time, man. They're, they're keeping plays to themselves so that they can use some of these plays that they're going to set up for the future. And I actually have an example of one right here that is just a really simple, stupid play, but it's something that I think that is is a play that's going to kind of add to the development of this play formation moving into the future just we have this what it's a it's a uh, it's a two-back formation so it's a weak what is that a weak formation and it's just a under center and it's just a simple stupid play they just hand off the ball to montgomery here for nothing but these are the kinds of plays that they haven't run very much uh, they're like starting to develop the, un- the getting into the under center position of the offense because there is the under center and then there is the shotgun of these of this offense. And if you can intertwine the two of them together, like you see the best of them do, you're going to have, have a seamless offense that they're not really going to know what you're what you're doing from that, I, from that formation. I know what you're getting at. Uh, now we'll go back to it, but Matthew Fulcheesy just said something in there that is absolutely true. And let me tell you something, Matthew, and everybody else in the chat. That's why you don't cut him. That son of a bitch has another gear that don't know. You you got him. You got Tyreek Hill, and what's the other little guy that was just with us last year that played slot? Uh, Grant. That's about it. Yeah. Those those guys have a have a whole other gear that don't nobody else have. That's why yeah. you don't you don't just willy nilly say, "Hey, all right, let's let's put him on the street." You'd be a fucking fool. That's why I was surprised they didn't keep Jakeem Grant. He was a nice little chess piece that we could have used this year. It cost a lot too of those, much. Yeah, I guess. 
That's true. But yeah, you don't you don't just throw away that kind of speed. And he's a, I, I keep telling people he's a stud. He's not your traditional receiver. Stop calling him a, a traditional receiver. That's not what he was drafted for. All you smart people out there that think you know everything, talking about we wasted a pick. They know exactly what they were getting with Valus Jones, mm-hmm. and they know how they know how to use him. It's just not apparent yet. So you you mentioned to me before the show that Dieter Iceland may be the player to watch in the next two weeks. Are they going to be playing him? Did they announce that? Where does this information come from that you came up with uh, this? I just read. I read. I read coaches, man, because I, I I got a, I had to learn how to do that, <laughs> especially when you get to college, man. When you get to college, when when you see uh, your coach go to the presser, yeah. and um. Is does to say you might be worried about you you yourself being in the doghouse for something that you did or you didn't do on the field, and you want to see how he reacts to it when the press brings it up. And I just read I just read the uh, the coach, and from his from my impression of his reaction to Dieter, I think he's going to get more snaps and more opportunities. I think he liked what he saw. I would love to see Dieter get more snaps in the next couple of weeks because he was a bright spot in training camp going into the season. Someone that we thought that he could have been, you know, the next answer at center. And we're just in this scrap time of the season that doesn't really, you know, there's nothing to play for other than development of players. So why not put all the guys in there that you want to see what you can get from him going into next year. And I think Dieter is one of those guys for sure. I was, I was listening to um, Braxton Jones talking, you know, Braxton Jones is really eloquent and he really goes into depth when he describes, you know, what he's seeing on the field. And they even asked him about some of the other players next to him. Like Dieter was one and he liked uh, playing with them next to him. But you can, you can hear in his conversation and his description of playing with Dieter that the only thing missing was the quick communication, the last second communication. Because let's say when you come out the huddle, you come out of the huddle with, you know, your base play that you're um, supposed to be running. But it's never really what you call in the huddle. It never ends up being exactly that because you got you get, the line has to adjust to what they see, and there has to be a communication that happens across the offensive line to make sure they they can cover the adjustments. That seems like the only thing that was missing. Per Braxton Jones. I agree. You know, Kitty, I think this is a really good time for us to uh, take a moment to acknowledge that we started a GoFundMe account for Chris Watts. I'm sure that you all know who Chris Watts is by now. If you do not know who he is, he is on the Barroom Network. That uh, he does the Bar the Barfly Tailgate Show uh, before the games. He lives in Yorkshire, England. And uh, he's a good friend of Bears Country Podcast. He's a great friend of the Barroom Network. And uh, we started a GoFundMe for him because um, I have the the availability to get him the tickets. We just need to get him the airfare and possible hotel and any amenities he might need. So I started the GoFundMe for Chris Watts uh, to come to Soldier Field to see his first and only Probably only Bears game in Soldier Field. Kitty, let's just let's just roll that really quick.
listen, there's a lot of people on the Barroom Network. If any, if everyone just donated five dollars to the Chris Watts GoFundMe page, we can get Chris Watts here next year to see a Bears game in Soldier Field, and that would be so amazing. It would be a bucket list thing for him, and uh, I'm just hoping that we can make it happen. He had no idea that I, we were doing this for him, so um, if we can do that, that would be amazing. I think you all could agree with that. So uh, anyway, let's move on to the next segment of the show. Uh, Nomad, you wanted to talk about um, what the Bears have proven to you in the last couple of weeks. Well, I was, as... I was just, um, I'm sorry. I was just typing in the um, private chat to see if uh, Kitty could say Bear Truth Nine's question. As that was a good question. Excellent. Uh, but, so anyone for, just for anyone in, in the uh, audio stream, Bear Truth Nine says, question for BCP. Would you be uh, unhappy if we came out with Jalen Carter defensive tackle on the first and, and Trenton Simpson with, and Trenton Simpson will with our first two picks in the first two rounds. Um, I, I would love that. Uh, man, listen, let me tell you something. Uh, that would be fucking perfect. Yeah, that would be perfect. Especially if, if they are, if they are, if they intend on signing a three technician as opposed to, I mean, drafting a three technician as opposed to signing one. Now we, that's, that's, that applies if we didn't sign one in free agency. If we don't get get the right guy in free agency, this is what Bear Truth Nine just said is the perfect draft. After that, I wouldn't give a fuck who they pick. If they got those <laughs> two motherfuckers, boy, you talking about a happy motherfucker. I'm talking about happy. I'm having the motherfucker. Dude, Trenton, Trenton Simpson could play anything from defensive end to strong safety. I'll take that, kid. That'd be that- a great draft. That would not only turn your def- your whole defense is turned around starting day one with those two guys. Those are those two are probably one and two. I think Trenton Simpson is more is more talented than anybody at any position in this draft, and I've looked hard. But if you want to give a qualified second, that dude is right. Jalen Carter is right there next to him, right there at any position. He's that talented. What do you think the fan base overreaction would be to the uh, Bears drafting defense in the first two rounds? <laughs> they, they need to shut the fuck up and be grateful is what they need to be based on what they've seen all year. Uh, you're going to have all those guys going, ah, come on, we, uh, we need offense. We got to yeah. draft offense. I'll line up Stop and slap them. fucking defense, guys. I'll line, up and slap line them all up. I'll slap them with a bag of nickels. Cause they're stupid. They're stupid. I'll slap them with a bag of cat shit. How about that? <laughs> That's even bag of cat Wet shit. Cat. Real heavy. Wet cat shit. <laughs> oh my god! No, they are talented. Now I, they, I've gone on record and said in the uh, in many in many uh, chat sections and on the show that um. If they were to go to DN, if they thought that DN was the position they have to address in the draft, everybody wants Will Anderson. I don't think he fits what Iberflus's track record is. I think Miles Murphy is more of the guy that they would probably probably be looking at, and I'm solely basing that on looking at Iberflus's track record, not on who I think is the better player. 
I know there's a lot of people in chat that are going to take a big dump on me right now, but I'm going to agree. And I don't think that Will Anderson fits this defense. He is more of a Khalil Mack. He's more of an outside linebacker in a, in a three, four defense to me than he is in a, as a defensive end in a four, three. I know he could be transcendent. He could still play in the four, three as a defensive end. He might be good in it. He might be a Dwight Freeney. But he just, to me, he seems more like the guy that you want on a 3-4 on a defense in an outside linebacker position. Because that's mostly what they do at Alabama. They, they run more 3-4 sets than anything. They, they do a little bit of mixture of everything. but And that's basically the only reason they flip in and out of different sets on defense is because they have so many, so much variety of different talent, and they just try to highlight all of that talent the best way they can. So they go back and forth between a three, four and a four, three and all kinds of different shit, but they're mostly out of a, a, a three, four. And I, and I think Will Anderson is a better fit as a three, four uh, outside linebacker, as opposed to a four, three hash edge rusher. Adam Dobbs says, I've been hoping for a trade back miles Murphy draft myself. Yeah. I mean, miles Murphy is a miles Murphy. That dude's 20 years old. And he's made like a grown fucking man. He'll look like a grown man in the NFL, not just against college players. He's got grown man strength. He's kind of got, he kind of reminds me. I, I went back to go look. See, I, I don't just think when things come to my head, I, I don't just run out there and, and shot my mouth out and just say shit. I go and look. And that guy, <laughs> just like Trenton Simpson, is a good comparison to Lawrence Taylor when he was in college. Miles Murphy is a good comparison to what Reggie White looked like. Mm -hmm. Same body type. Same body type. Big dudes, really strong, for no damn reason strong. Just, I mean, he's powerful. Man. I mean, really powerful. And, he, and you, he won't let you down in the pass rush or the run. I'm not even going to lie. I don't even get into the, you know, the draft and what players we're going to be drafting until the season is over. It's too, there's too much speculation for me to even like blow my wad on that. I need to, you know, wait till the season's over. But some of these ideas you guys are coming up with seem pretty awesome. Man. I won't say that much. Dude, I, I, I'm doing my homework all the time, man. And when I get on this, I know people look forward to what we have to say and our description of what we think might happen. And I'm doing my damn best to make sure I know where I'm coming from. I have a platform to stand on and to speak. So I might as well do my homework and make sure I come correct when I say it. Mm -hmm. And so I'm telling you guys, I, I don't just say things. I just go back and I look at history based on these coaches' history. And I'll and I tell you what he likes. Uh, at the end, he likes, Foose prefers a, a, a 280, 290 type of guy, mm -hmm. you know, that can play the, that can rush the pass well and can play the run just as well. And Miles Murphy is that, you know? Is he uh, in the mold of like an Alex Brown or better? Oh, way better. Okay. Way better. Alex yeah, Brown I, I, better. I don't know enough yet. Just being Alex out, Brown I'm was a really – draft until the season's over. Yeah, Alex Brown was a really good college player, but you can see his body had a uh, – even at that age in college, he had a, a limit to where his body was going to be able to go. Right. Whereas somebody like Miles Murphy, he is big and strong as he is now. He hasn't even scratched the surface. He okay. has 
he hadn't scratched the surface. I'm telling you, he's 20 years old. And what you think a 20-year-old knows after three years of college, ain't that ain't much. And, and his body is just starting to fill in. There's nothing you want more than a young player like that, that you know, in their early 20s, you know? That dude is going to be an absolute monster when his body really starts to fill in and he starts to get that. He's got grown man strength now, but he's going to get grown, grown man strength in the next few years. He's going to be an absolute monster. I'm telling you. So that's someone that I have on my, on my radar right now. We're going to, I'm going to be doing some Miles Murphy research myself. So thank you, Nomad and Adam. Um, what do you think about this game against the Lions, man? And by the way, do you think you can uh, work on something to get uh, Don Burr on the show? Don is, in, is Don in the chat? I don't know, but I know you've been making buddies with Don, and I know that I appreciate Don's work, and I appreciate the Lions' work. Wouldn't it be fun to maybe try to do something. I can't do anything until my friends leave this week, but maybe like on a Friday, do like a quick last call at Hallis Hall with him if we can get him. I don't know, man. Don does what Don wants to do when he wants to do it. And, and you know, you see him in chat all the time. I, you, I know you, he's got making friends with him, trying to get his ass on the show. I know he's got, I know he's got a lot of respect for my my opinion and he he knows I that know. i know what i'm talking about and i want to i, I want to hear don talk about his love for his lions like i i, I seriously want to hear this i want to i want to do a lions preview with him lions bears preview and hear what he has to say about that game i think it would be amazing i i think i think the platform should look like i mean instead of i think he wants to he needs the space and, and I would be willing to give him the space to just make his case for why he thinks so highly of his team and where he thinks, give him time to do it. Let him and do man, it. He feels the same way as we all feel about our bears. I wish, I wish, I wish our fucking fans was uh, as, as good as Don bear is down for his squad. I mean, down, we got a bunch of, and I'm not talking about anybody in this chat, but we got a bunch of fair weather friends that, Fans that only, I mean, no matter through thick and thin, Don is going to ride for those lines. We need fans like that. Now, it, it, see, th th this is why I have so much respect for Don because he reminds me a little, a little bit of me, and this is this is me. Twice, three times, the Bears fan, and I Bears. That's how Don feels about his Lions. And so I would love to have a conversation with Don. <laughs> <laughs> Don, hey, he don't he don't give up, man. He don't give mm -hmm. up. And he's gonna he's gonna ride until there ain't nothing to ride on. Trust uh -oh, me. I got I got private chat. I don't want to miss out on the private chat before I get a kitty explodes in three seconds. Okay. <laughs> Don yeah. uh, he said he's not, but since you said his name, <laughs> well, let's say let, let's let, let's say his name three times. Don Burr, <laughs> Don Burr, Don Burr. Let's see if he appears, because I would love to. I, I seriously, I want to have a conversation with you, Don. I want to talk some Bears Lions preview. 
And I know you do, Nomad. Man, if he got in here and he came on here, we just I'm just gonna just give him elbow room and we just gonna have a real serious football conversation like I know he wants to have. He wants to make he wants to and he's got a good argument for saying he's got a brimming potential championship team cooking up in Detroit. And I give him the give him the space and give him the um the the runway to make that case. And I like I, the case I made to him is I believe is going to be us and and them in the NFC North in the next ten years. I agree. You know? I said I said the same thing to myself. I said, wouldn't it be amazing? Wouldn't it be awesome if it was Bears and Lions and fuck the Packers and the Vikings? You know, for the next ten years, I would love it. It'd be so much fun. Because we we both know what it's like to you know be eating fish scum for the last you know twenty years or more. So you see, King Booker World is not gonna is gonna be a whole lot of fans that don't and won't deserve to share in the rewards of winning when it starts to happen. You goddamn right. I couldn't agree more because mm-hmm. everybody you know what the problem is, man. Everybody's basis of criticism against the Bears is looking at history, right? Like like yesterday and the regime from yesterday and the and the uh the oh the well staff. we've never won it because of this and we've never won it oh because my of that God. yeah that's so fucking tired man if you come from it from if you come at a place come from a place of we're not gonna be good based on our history then that's a that's a lowly place to be thinking these the the regime that they brought in uh Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus are different guys than anybody else we've had. You got an absolute, I think, is a brimming stud head coach and leader in Matt Eberflus. And Ryan Poles and Ian Cunningham, I have nothing but confidence in what they are going to be able to do together to put together a bang-ass roster for Eberflus to go out there and play with. Give me some reason to doubt that. If they can take that team... Turn Khalil Mick into Khalil Mack into tree picks, you know, and then turn, you know, uh, Roquan and Quinn into more picks for next year. What's going to happen if they end up with the first or second pick in this draft? What are the moves that are going to be going through this general manager's head based on the experience that we have seen from him in his past? I mean, he could end up turning, you know, six, seven picks into 12, 13 and get five starters out of this as opposed to maybe two, you know. And let me let me put some butter on top of what you just got through saying there. Not only and I know people could have made a case for, you know, Bayless Jones hasn't been playing well. He's dropped some balls and muffed some punts and all that kind of stuff. If you wanted to make that argument about that draft pick, you could have. But look at the draft picks now. Right. Look at not only the draft picks, look at the undrafted players that Poles brought in. Look at them now. We're talking right. about undrafted guys being Sanborn, Jalen Jones. Uh, I mean, these guys are undrafted rookies fucking around. Can I get a little bit of in the during training camp, you were like, "Are you sure you want that? I don't want that guy, you know, guarding my fucking tight end or whatever." And 
at the time, my thought process was middle linebacker. And look how well he's been playing at the, at the mic position. Because I think, if I remember correctly, you thought he was a little too slow to play. Obviously, nobody thought he was going to play the Sam. But as a mic, like, how do you think he's working out so far? The jury is still out on that because we we know what we know what um how good uh Jack Cranboard is going forward. What I mean by going forward, making plays in front of him. One thing we haven't gotten to see thus far with Jack Sanborn is how well he plays in coverage when he's got his back to the ball. Right. That's the sample size we haven't seen. If he passes that test, I will eat my crow because I still think he's not the guy for a Mike linebacker. I think he's more of a Sam than he is a Mike. I think you can get a much improved Mike linebacker and Will linebacker and have Sam at the, at, I mean, have Sam Borm at, at the Sam. I don't see the thing about playing middle linebacker is you're going to find yourself in coverage at times against a guy that you, that you are overmatched against. Does he have the athletic ability to be able to consistently make plays on the ball in a, in a situation where he's overmatched? I don't think so, but he can prove me wrong like he's proven me wrong thus far. I think he's proven a lot of people wrong thus far. I ho- it sucks that he got injured because it would have been nice to see what he could do with the rest of the season, you know? I think we got a uh, question or two in the chat if, if one of you guys want to bring them up. It's the NFL. These are all the greatest players in the world. Handsome Duke says, and Handsome Duke says, what's your definition of talent being mediocre? Well, that would be, that would be almost the entire Bears roster. (laughs) That's my definition of it. When I say, um, let's just, let's just put it this way. I don't think there's not, I don't think there's much separation once you get into the NFL level, um, in the, in the level of talent. On, across the board on all teams, all of these teams have pretty much the the same amount of talent. However, there are some teams that have really, really big time stud players at different position positions, and we don't have anywhere near enough of those. And that's why we ended up I land on we are a mediocre team as far as the talent goes. Team, I mean, as a as a team, I think we're a great football team that is coached well. They play hard. I think we just land on mediocre talent level, and that's just what it is. Whether we want to believe that or not, talented talent wise, we are mediocre. Mm-hmm. And from mediocrity does come some stars that might develop, you know, throughout the course of being in the system for a year or two in next season. Uh, but, you know, we definitely need some improvement on both sides of the ball with our talent levels. I mean, it's it's quite obvious. Justin Fields has been holding this entire offense together. And defensively, the coaching staff has been holding the entire defense together. So I think once you get a couple of those, you know, playmakers on both sides for Justin Fields to have, and the coaching staff to have on defense, I think that it's going to be exciting to watch. Shorty, I before we got Eberflus, and when they were talking about getting Eberflus, when his name came up, I immediately went to the tape. I started listening to his interviews and 
watching them in practice. You know, they were on hard knocks, so it's quite a bit of, uh, right. you know, some, some footage out there of them. But I, I was looking at his pressers. When people, when, when Iberflus will give you a, a really defined answer at times. And when he was in Indy, and this is, I think, right when they uh, signed DeForest Buckner, and they and they asked him, I can't remember exactly the context of the uh, question, but he made a point to emphasize we need uh, absolute dominant players at certain positions on the defense. And he called it the triangle. Now, what I'm about to describe to you, I need everybody in here to li that's listening, and you too, Shorty, just to picture this. Picture an all-22 footage from the offensive standpoint. Let's just say we're looking at over top of the offensive uh, line. Right, the field view, the field view, yeah. yeah. So on defense, he he's he's saying that we need dominant players in at the triangle positions, meaning the three tech position on the inside, the uh the wheel linebacker on right behind it, and on the other side, the uh the slot corner. Slot cornerback, right. That's the triangle. Boom, boom, boom. We need absolute dominant players at those three positions. We feel as if we can get dominant players at those three positions, we can be a dominant defense. Mm -hmm. We don't have those guys yet. Mm -hmm. We have one piece. Kyler Gordon. That's it. Mm -hmm. Good point, my friend. Excellent point. So uh, moving on into this game about uh, just to wrap, kind of let's get to the point of wrapping up the show here. How do you feel about this Lions game? We're going to win this game? We're not the same. We're not the same lion. We're not the same bears that we were the first Lions game. Believe that or not? No, we are we, not. <laughs> we are improved, right. and the way they were able to throw that ball up and down the field on us with, with no problem, I think they're going to run into a little resistance this time. Mm -hmm. Much better, much better play in the secondary with these rookies, and maybe we get a couple of guys that. You know, we didn't expect to do a whole lot to make some plays, but that's they're running into a very much improved secondary as opposed to the first time that they saw us. Yeah, I think it's going to be a little bit of a different game this time, huh? I think we kind of got punched in the, in the jaw a little bit that last time. I think we're going to come back and I'm feeling a win this game, actually. I, I didn't the entire – point from that last loss to the Lions up until now, but I, I'm starting to feel that we're going to win this game. Yeah. I mean, they should enough. They shit the bed, man, last time. And 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 guess who's looking at the tape of a team that just got 300 yards ran on them? <laughs> this, yeah. is, this is neutral weather uh, conditions. You know, there's no reason why uh, David Montgomery and Khalil Herbert can't rack it up. There's no reason at all. And Khalil Herbert was just getting warmed up again. He'd be, he's been out for a while, so he didn't really have much effect on that game. But Money had a really good game. And I think that if you get uh, Herbert back, you know, that was like his warm-up game, get him back into this game, and you get that one-two punch going out of nowhere again, I think it might – give them a, like a little uppercut that they didn't see coming because, you know, they, I really thought we were going to win that first game. And I was shocked we didn't, although we should have, we, we had the opportunity to, I should say, 
but uh, I don't know. I feel differently about this one. I'm, you, you're going to hear from me right now. Khalil Herbert was not the same back out there in the cold. And he was, I think he no. was one of those. He's a Florida boy. And he's one of those guys that isn't really accustomed to that kind of cold. And you can see his legs were heavy. He was slow. I mean, that kind of stuff you've seen from Khalil Herbert isn't normal. And I'm going to tell you guys right now, and I put put it on everything. He's going to tear the fucking Lions up in that warm-ass dome with his legs fresh. Yes. He's going to eat their ass up. That's a great point, for sure. Yeah. Coming back after, uh, what, five weeks off. And then, uh, actually, I think it was more than that because of the the, uh, the bye week. And then not and just kind of getting his legs wet again, his feet wet again, coming into a, a, a an indoor stadium the next game. I think you're right, man. I think he's going to have a much bigger game. They're going to have that one-two punch back. I think they're going to sneak this win out. And I'd be I would be shocked if they snuck. And listen to me. I wouldn't be shocked if they snuck out the Vikings win either. So I, who knows? We'll see what happens. <laughs> one, one, one quick note, man, before we get up out of here. Something I want this is just throwing a little red meat out there to the uh, the Bears fan base. I, I've been seeing recently a bunch of people um, really, really talking about, hey, man, what, what, would it be so bad to sign J.J. Watt? And I'm just like, man, what are you talking about? J.J. Watt's a can't-stay-on-the-field defensive end that's lost a step on the outside on the edge. You know what I saw yesterday in this game? Playing three tech. You? He's playing three-tech, man. He's playing inside technique, and he was fucking destroying those dudes. And JJ, like Watt, the cornerback that moves like the uh, what's his name from uh, Charles Woodson that moves from cornerback to safety and exactly, you know, yeah, exactly. He's a he's a guaranteed first ballot Hall of Famer that sees an opportunity, a la a Charles Woodson or, or um, the other Woodson that played in I mean Pittsburgh. He's uh, they changed positions and went on to have like a a double hall of fame career you it was a hall of fame safety or a cornerback and end up being a hall of fame safety jj watt you know his problem is his back i think and trying to bend around those corners yeah i know he's he's 35 years old but from the inside he doesn't have to use that kind of technique and you know risk injury to his back all he has to do is go forward and be and penetrate on the inside. And he's right at that age. I mean, right at that weight to where he can be fucking dominant. You, if you think I'm bullshitting, who was that that said that laughed at me? Hanson Duke says, No, oh, J Rock. Yeah. J Rock, if you think I'm bullshitting, go look at that game. Go look at that game. And you tell me you wouldn't sign that guy to a minimum contract to put on your team to help. Exactly. Some, uh, that's that's some the young point. Guys. Right. Yeah. I mean, you, if nothing else, you bring that guy and you put him on the team. Because he's a great leader. And a rotational player in a three-tech position yeah. when you're trying to develop a, 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 a younger player. Tell me, J-Rock, go watch that game and, and come holler at me. Go watch it and come holler at him, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Well, you know, and so tomorrow night uh, on Dan and Aldo, uh, Nomad and I are going to be uh, – uh-oh, shit. I'm in trouble. Fuck. Hold on. Well, okay, okay, Kitty, what is it? I got to read private chat. Oh, shit. I fucked up. <laughs> Get him, kitty. <laughs> oh, there are three questions waiting. Shit. So that's my kitty. Pull it up again. So this is my new 
this is the new segment for when I fuck up and don't read what Kitty is trying to tell me in private chat that involves the show. And when I fuck up, it goes to the actual explosion. So Kitty has some more questions from chat she wants to pull up. <laughs> Thank you, Kitty. Is Claypool going to play this week? I hope um, so. I think we'll know. I think we'll know by Wednesday. See if he gets if what kind of practice he has on Wednesday. It will probably tell you everything you need to know. Look at when they put the injury report, they they'll list whether it's a full practice, limited practice, or what have you. That'll give you a good idea of whether he's gonna play. Yeah, I feel like it's too early to to know yet. It's only Monday, so they just doing walkthroughs right now. Exactly. Uh King Boo. King Buka World says, do you guys think since Denver is in crisis, we should try to poach Judy? Mm, I'm going to say no. I think I think there's multiple players um, on that team. And this is one of the subjects I would have liked to bring up, but I guess I'll save that for uh, Dan and Aldo tomorrow. But, yeah, Denver is, in, Denver is probably going through, a, getting ready to go through a rebuild, a teardown, whatever you want to call it. And um, Jerry Judy, is he is he a guy that, yeah, I mean, for you can't. Jerry Judy is a he's a he's a hell of a fucking football player, man. And yes, I would definitely look look at that, but you got to look at personality type. Will he fit into your locker room and not have any problems adjusting to the culture here? That's the first thing I would want to ask. Right. With any situation like this, when you have this quarterback that we have, you want to make sure there's a good situation to bring in a receiver like that and they have a good you know relationship a good feeling about each other leo factor says thoughts on people who people saying we've been taking and losing games on purpose this season i don't fucking think that's correct at all leo i I think maybe i think maybe if anything that the play calling has been um uh, structure around the ability to learn new things at the right moments in time. And if they don't work out, then so be it. That's how I think. I don't think, I don't think the players are trying to tank at all, Leo. No. However, I do believe the play calling leads you to believe that, no, they're not putting their best foot forward as far as the craftiness of the play calling and the ability to that Justin has with his arm to make explosive plays. They're not calling those plays. And I think it's for a reason. You do have a good point. I don't think that they're losing losing on purpose, J Rock. I think that they're that they they got to a certain point in the season and they realized that they were not going to make the playoffs. And so from that point on, they did things to better their team from the future or for the future, as well as to uh, implement different things on both offense and defense that they hadn't installed earlier in the season that they could work on towards the end to help them finish out this season and going into next season, having those things under their belt. My opinion. No, Matt, anything? No, I mean, not, not much more than what I was saying. And thank you, uh, Duke. But uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's not hard to tell when, when you, it's, it's, I always try to picture what it's like out there with them. And the calls that are coming in, whether it be on offense or, def- or defense, I play both sides. And you can tell at certain times of the game, and it's like, okay, we can get an explosive play if we call this or if we call that. We got Bayless right here 
and they're playing a one high, and we got it's a good chance that he can probably be one on one on this guy. And he's all, all Justin has to do is throw it. They're not even attempting. Mm-hmm. So, so yes, I do think that the coaches are dumbing down the offense so that we don't get too ahead of us. I think the coaches have seen enough with the players that we have and the offense. We know what we can do. They're just pulling it back. And by dumbing it down. Pulling the reins, man. Like what I'm saying in agreement with you by dumbing down means that they're adding things to the offense that might not have worked so well in the beginning of the year just to see if the progression throughout the course of the season – they'll be able to develop those plays now and kind of see where they're at moving forward in the next year, you know? So it's a good time just to work on those plays that might not have worked in the, in the past, you know? Nah, because it might work. <laughs> we might right, win. Exactly. The <laughs> exactly. Now you're seeing that deep ball to Velas Jones, you know, that yeah, worked. Yeah. Nah, it's, it's, so. they're doing, they're doing very predictable runs and passes and screens and easy to key in on and stop. It's very vanilla shit, and they know what they're doing. They know that this, the the, the pick the Bears are gonna get, is so fucking valuable. Not for, I mean, not that we necessarily have to make that pick, but it's valuable as far as the capital you can get from it. Because I, I for one, believe, and I'm gonna say it again, that we're going to make the bulk of our changes and our those dominant pieces we were just talking about. I think those are going to be had in free agency and they're not going to come to the draft in a place of desperation. Like we got to have this, we got to have that. They're going to come at a place of, okay, we got a luxury. Yeah. We got a luxury here. We can draft the best guy, the best guys on our board if they're available and we ain't got to worry about that shit. And so that's what, that's what makes it valuable. I like that thought process. And I think that that's what the bears are doing. And, only time's going to tell. We have a couple of games to go, and then the offseason after that, it's going to be a lot of fucking fun. I know that much. Think of, think of how powerful a position that, that you're in when you have that kind of cap space and that kind of money sitting to the side to answer a lot of your core needs. A lot of guys, a lot of teams going to the draft desperate, right. and, they, and they have to reach, you know, right. making moves and trying to move up and giving up draft capital. No, you don't have to be that. You can accumulate get, uh, draft capital because you've taken care of your needs beforehand. It's I a wonderful place to be. I agree. It's great, isn't it? It's going to be so much fun moving forward. And the, going into the offseason, all the stuff we're going to be able to speculate, talk about, wish for. I want this. I want that. What do you guys think about this? What do you think about that? It's going to be so much fun. And it, it's just keep your hats on. Bears fans, enjoy the process that we're in. There's a couple of games left. If we do win one, enjoy the win. If we lose all of them, enjoy the process. It's really all it comes down to. Just we're building. We have all the a lot of the majority pieces in place, both coaching and player-wise. And it's just going to be a little, little tweak that we're going to need to do in the draft and free agency. And we're going to see a whole different team next year. It's going to be fucking so much fun to be a part of. I'm going to be like Ryan Poles come draft time with my feet kicked up waiting for the fucking phone to ring. Because <laughs> when the Bears are dominating, when they're awesome, nobody gives a shit about anything in Illinois. 
Seriously, but the Bears. Yeah, Bears. This is what we. This is who we are. We know we are in Chicago land. We know exactly what we are. We know what we stand for, and I think we finally reached a point. We finally I reached think- a point where we got guys that can put us in the place. We got the quarterback. Who would have ever thought that? Mm-hmm. Now we got the right guys in place that can build a rocking ass team to compete. These are already a. Com- this is already a competitive ass team. What it happens is, when you add talent? They've been in virtually every single game. And that's all you can ask for with the development of this team. You guys, before we leave the show, I just want to let you know that, um, first off, we're going to be on the Ballroom Network tomorrow night. Um, Dan and Eldo, um, I think it's Eldo's anniversary, so we're going to be kind of joining him on the show and having a good time tomorrow night. Uh, So look out for that. And uh, I also wanted to say, you know, let's let's leave this show on a on a good feeling because I spent all weekend working on some funny, fun parody songs, little things I want to introduce throughout the course of the show. And this is just kind of like I want to end the show on a fun little parody song. And I hope you guys all enjoy this because I worked my ass off on it this weekend. Let's take a look. It's a karaoke, guys. You can sing along. Sing along, guys and girls. Stuck on the bears. I got a feeling down deep in my soul. They're gonna win the Super Bowl. And it starts today. I know. I always feel this way. That's how I feel every day of the of the year, Nomad. The Bears are going to win the Super Bowl this year. I hope you guys uh, enjoyed that. If you if you, I have some of this stuff is on Bears Country. We actually changed Bears Country Podcast our channel to Bears Country Productions, and Bears Country Podcast is now a production underneath that Bears Country production. So please go and check out that channel because there's a lot of other crazy, stupid shit that I'm doing as a super fan that Nomad over here won't even involve himself with. So, <laughs> yeah. Didn't you say, it was produced, it out, you said it was produced by Dr. Dre, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Dr. Dre, yeah. <laughs> so. But if it was, you would. Nah. <laughs> ah. Anyway, I wanted to leave you guys with a happy note on that because, you know, let's let's just um, all love our bears. Let's all love one another. One another. Let's all love each other. Go help somebody out. You know, help out a friend, a family member, somebody crossing the street, somebody lift up something. If you're taller than somebody, help them, help them take that off the shelf. Just be a nice person. You know, we're living in crazy times, and we all love the bears, and so we just all want to, um, you know, enjoy our beardom so nomad as a parting um uh anything you have to say to to end the show here thanks everybody for coming man i appreciate y'all every time i see y'all here in the chat i don't just say that shit i actually respect it and i appreciate you guys man so come on over to uh dan and aldo tomorrow well, I get to be a damn fool nomad, not the nomad, the football guy. I'll be a little bit of both, but I'm always going to be a character on that show. So 
come on over there tomorrow and check us out there. We'll be there. I tried to get him a character to be a character on tonight's show, but he has to reserve that for for tomorrow night. Okay. So check us out tomorrow night. That'll be a lot of fun. Guys, everyone in chat, we thank you all so much for joining us. Without you, we would not exist. So thank you so much. I'm going to put down my drink right now so that we can end this show on already. One, two, three. Bears.